Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris, and today's co-host Sebastian. Hello, hello. And we're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fists to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So uh, how's your week going, Sebastian? Pretty good. Camp been busy. Um, like we were talking about before we got on this podcast, you know, I've been putting in some some pretty long hours, you know, 78 hours a day at the rink. Uh, not going to complain. It's been a ton of fun. Volunteered a little bit with a minor hockey team, just doing their, their tryout process, just being on the ice with the guys. And uh, jumped off the ice, got dressed in my fancy clothes, and walked from rink A to rink B and coached in our white versus blue inner squad game, which was fun. Lots of exciting players on the ice. And we had, it was, a, it was a tight game. Unfortunately, uh, I had, uh, I had the good players and by good, I mean, I had the good kids. Uh, we got into a shootout at the end and um, the guy who will probably end up being the junior A captain and, and the guy that I can only describe as if you had a firstborn child, you'd want to give it to this kid because he's going to raise him properly. Said to me, you know what, let the kids let the kids shoot. The other team on the other hand let the superstars, the junior A players, they shot. So they won in overtime. But hey, it was fun. The kids had fun. We all smiled. At the end of the day, I think we won just because we made the right moral choice. Um, and I'm getting ready for our first exhibition game today. Um, so busy, busy. What about you? Things are going all right here. Still just adjusting here, getting ourselves settled in, getting furniture delivered. We're basically going for all the cheapest furniture we can find right now. Because if we, if we only spend a couple of years here in Copenhagen, we're not going to bring it back with us. So we just sell it off to people or give it away, depending on our scenario at that time, how quickly we got to get rid of it. But yeah, that's kind of what we're doing right now. We're just getting our lives settled in. But last week, you and I were starting to talk about all these emails you see coming out as the seasons are starting and billet families. And one of the things we wanted to talk about in this episode was that, which is billet families and how important that is to the junior hockey community. Yeah, absolutely. As important it is to have, you know, the players, the teams, management, coaching, all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, the families for these guys are, are the billet families. I mean, you got a lot. I mean, you always want to try to grow locally. You have your guys that are coming up within the areas and, and that happens. But to have a competitive junior team to really have kind of, you know, top four lines, top 60, and you really want to compete, you got to get people from all the way around. And, you know, I think a big thing about junior hockey and something that's really not talked about enough it's usually just people looking for billets it's just you know the important impact that billets have um, actually it just brings me to a story today like i just said we have a, we had an exhibition game today and one of our junior assistant coaches who was back in the area after going off playing in the ncaa and then coming and playing the cis um, he got hired as an assistant coach junior a and his billet was just over the moon that he'll be back in town and you know she was happy that you know her family gets to see him again all that and uh, you know we're all going to go to the rink a little early and get some work done before and i said you know are, are you going to be here he said yeah i'll be a little late because i'm going uh, for breakfast with my billet family so it's been probably six seven years since kind of he's gone off to school and done his thing but he still has such a tight bond with that billet family that they're all going for breakfast before our our exhibition game today so that just kind of speaks about the volumes of like what a billet family can do for a player it's an important aspect i mean this is where they spend their not hockey time this is where they're going to be fed and sleeping and basically their safety space when they're not on the ice. It's, it's really critical to the, the hockey community. And eventually, like I said, most of these athletes will never move on to the National Hockey League or even pro hockey. So when you're taking on a billet, you are really taking on raising or helping to raise someone else's kid for a year or maybe longer, depending on how they're how long they're there for. We're developing that teenager into a young man. It, it's a really critical aspect of and may, a lot of times over people don't see that part of the the junior hockey world and how critical that part is and the connections these players make with their host families. 
just a couple of stories that come to mind, just again, just being playing hockey and being involved in hockey still. Um, one of the stories that comes to mind is I ended up getting cut from this team, but I still made a lot of friends. Um, we had There was a guy from Texas who came down. So he's never left the States. I mean, obviously little trips here and there, but he somehow got connected with this team. He came over and he came from Texas and he had to build a family that lived right next to the ring. So it was perfect for him. I still remember how just the different styles of cuisine and just lifestyles and the bill family really did and they didn't have to but they kind of just changed you know like maybe on certain nights they would have meals that he would eat from home they connected with the family from texas and just kind of said what does he eat what does he like to eat like what's what are things that we can do that make him think of home and it came to the point where i still remember like they were literally extending like different spices that they would use and like pepper like dried peppers and things like that that like he was used to eating on his food and like they just literally changed their life to make him comfortable and the way he kind of thanked them was just like I still remember going over and he'd like text me be like, hey, do you want to come help me babysit? And like the parents were going on a date night. He just said, you know, what, you guys need to leave. I don't have a game tonight. You know, some of the guys are coming over and we'll play chill. And we would play chill. It's like nine, like nine and eight year old, nine, ten or whatever they were. We would just like play chill, play board games, you know, go to the ODR, play road hockey with them. And I still remember one time they'd always be like, oh, I'm going to go see my big brother's game. So for them, bringing him into their household just became like an older brother that they were looking up to. You know, he's playing in the junior A. So they were really like, wow, like that's my brother. And, you know, it was just so cool to kind of see how the first time that he kind of invited a few guys over and it was kind of, they were super welcoming. But, you know, you got that awkwardness because the first time you're kind of somewhere and it's, it's a weird feel. But then to like the last time where like you'd knock on the door and the dad would slap you on the back of the head and he's like, the door's always open, stop knocking. He's like, you're annoying me by knocking. He's like, just walk in, take your shoes off. Oh, you know where the room is or, you know, come sit in the living room, watch football with me or whatever. And it was just kind of like, not only did they take that player in, but all the friends that kind of, we would just kind of hang out. That kind of became the hangout spot. And they were just, they just loved it because everyone was just so good with their kids and so respectful of the house. I still remember like doing dishes and stuff there. Like we would just be like, that was our kind of our, our spot. And the family was just so welcoming and, and the kids were awesome. And I think that's kind of like that's such a cool side of it especially like when you're building like especially if you have young kids who are interested in hockey and you have the room um and you're able to build it. i mean you bring in somebody i mean yeah you take a chance sometimes and i, I think the thing is a lot of teams do back not like background checks that they don't call you know they don't go through but they do like background checks on on finding out what kind of kid are they getting if they're training for a kid or signing a kid you know is this guy a good kid like you never want to bring in a bad apple into a good culture so you're never going to get a, a kid that's just tra- a trash human let's just say I mean, there are some times where kids will make bad decisions and things don't work out. And sometimes maybe the billet says, hey, like this just this isn't working out. It's not a good influence on our kids or, you know, it just doesn't work in our household. And that's the bad part. But that I would say maybe one percent of the time that might happen. I could be wrong. Someone come at me and be like, here's the stats. But I've been around a lot of different billet situations and I've never that was I've heard about one bad thing. So it doesn't happen that often. And another one, even just one of our players here, him and his dad and his mom and his sister and all that from Kingston, they come down every week and, and they go for a meal with the Bill family. They all hang out. Sometimes it's at the Bill's house. They all get together for a barbecue. Sometimes they go to a restaurant. And it's just it just basically the way that I've been told how it works is they just kind of grew their family. So you know, they just added a second set of parents to help raise their child while he's away in Carlton plays playing hockey. And, and that's that's what it's all about. It's, I mean, you, you look at even sometimes in the NHL, you'll see guys that are making their debut and they fly in their family, but they also fly in their billet family and they're, they're just that tight. I mean, it's he may have played junior hockey six, seven years ago and he's now in the NHL, but that billet family is just as tight as his family and they're all a, a tight community together. They've helped raise, the, like you said, this teenager into a man who's now playing professional hockey. I mean, like you said, it doesn't always happen, but you know, it's, it's always so cool to see how that awkward transition of going and living in a stranger's house, basically becoming a second family to you as you move on in your life. 
I think you and I were talking, sometimes the stranger feeling never really shakes in a situation, but it's rare. Usually if you're a family that's willing to accept in a complete stranger into your household for the hockey season and feed them and take care of them and provide them shelter and safety and keys, you're probably going to be a caring family. You have that passion for hockey. You have that passion to take care of people. If you can host, you're not doing it because you want to make money. You're not going to make money hosting. You're doing it because you want to have a good influence on, on a young hockey player and a young person and you know help them develop in their future. And if you have the space, why not? Because it's it's super cool, and I think you get season tickets out of this. Mostly, you get your your family gets season tickets, but that's cool. And you got this whole little hockey community that could end up at your house. And there's Sebastian washing your dishes, and here's another guy making sure this kid doesn't stick something up his nose. And it's a cool atmosphere. If I'm in this position around another hockey community at some point, and that's something that they're looking for, and we have the space for it. Yeah, I think that would be it'd be a super cool opportunity to be a part of somebody's life and, and, and see them grow in, in life and hockey. Absolutely agree. And I think that's kind of something Haley and I have talked about, too. You know, it just depends, obviously, on situation in life. But for me, I mean, if I, you know, down the road, obviously, I can continue coaching, but, you know, have a family and have the space and we're able to do it, I would absolutely love to. I mean, it's just kind of giving back even though i've i've never had to build i've never always been local enough or crashed on someone's couch before the night before a game or whatever if it was you know a bit of a drive but it's always been kind of local but if i can give back to the actual game of hockey by having someone stay in our house and help them feel comfortable i mean to me when you bring someone in to especially a hockey family I, i've seen billets who i would say are a hockey family where you know they watch hockey and they kind of get hockey but they're not like into hockey but you know that's cool because then the kid has like something to get away from you know he goes home, home it's normal you know, he's got to do his homework he's got to do all that kind of stuff but for us i mean we're always gonna be a hockey family so i'm like for me it's it's just if we can help out and kind of give someone a space to say a comfortable space where you know they can be themselves and, and that's something we'd like to do but again everyone says it's it's all about making sure you're ready in that point of life but the thing is is i, I think that i don't know if people are scared to build because you know sometimes everyone, every team's always looking for billets and it's almost like people aren't sure and, and what happens is the reason why they're always looking for billets is because for example you, you have a four four-year player who's going to come to you well you know things go so well with that family that they just keep that player for four years so then when you bring a new player in it's hard to kind of you know not everyone can take two i, mean, I still remember one of the bill families that i knew a friend who, who played there they had three kids they had a big they had a basement and they had kind of it was one big room but you know they had three players stay there and it was awesome i mean they they, they were a super big hockey family and you know they could go there and just be comfortable but again it's just something that i would encourage i mean if there's any listeners that were always kind of like ah maybe that's something i like to do one day reach out to your local team and just find out what the process is like what they're what the expectations is like what it would look like i mean every team has a plan it's not like they just throw a kid at you and say good luck have fun we'll see you when we see you there, there's a plan in place and, and there's always a billet coordinator and, and they'll walk you through the process and what's expected and what's expected from the player and what's provided to help you know take care of the player and all that kind of stuff so you know if, if someone's listening they've always been like yeah i've always thought about it or you know it's something that maybe i'd like to think about maybe even like next year or the year after reach out just find out what the find out the information that way you know if it's it's something for you and your family because don't get me wrong bill families are huge and, and it's a, it's an awesome thing to do but it's not for everyone I, you know, like you said, it's sometimes you, you can't shake that stranger feeling. Maybe it's just because, you know, your guard's up and you have someone new in your house and you're not, you know, maybe you're just not trusting them. And, and that's kind of an awkward situation, I think, for both the host and the player. So, you know, if 
if it's something you're open to and, you know, it, you just want to bring a good young player into your home and, and let them be part of your family, absolutely reach out wherever your local team is, find out what the process is and really think about it. I think that's really good advice because like you're saying, there's always teams and I always see the post still looking for billet families. And I don't know right now which teams in Utah are, but I'm just going to shout out the teams right here. I don't know if I think all the Ogden Mustangs players may have a place to stay at right now. I'm not sure if they do, but you also have the Utah Outliers. You have the Pro Riverblades and then the WSHL. You got the Utah Altitude and the Vernal Oilers. These teams might still be looking for billets. So if you're interested in hosting a billet, definitely reach out to one of these teams. And if you're not in the Utah area and you're elsewhere, seriously, look at your local hockey teams in Canada and the United States and see if you're willing to host a hockey player, there's probably a team looking, especially right now, looking for you to host that hockey player. So definitely, definitely reach out to your local hockey club and and see what uh, opportunity you might have there. That said, we were talking Ogden Mustangs in that portion of the conversation Let's say I was I was really excited this weekend started preseason hockey in the Mountain Division and Pacific Division of the USPHL because I think a couple teams already started the regular seasons this weekend as well. But it's preseason in the Mountain Division and Pacific Division. And that led us to a game between the Ogden Mustangs and the Las Vegas Thunderbirds. Actually, a series of games, Friday and Saturday night. A couple real interesting games there. And uh, we're not going to go over all the things that happened in the games. But I really did want to talk about the first two preseason games of the year because they were exciting to finally, I called it, be back in the arena, even though I'm in Copenhagen now. I could see my spot in the Rowdy Row watching these games. I could smell that part of the arena. I could hear the sounds in that part of the arena just looking at my spot in the Rowdy Row. So it made me really... Really, really missed the Weber ice sheet. It was really great to see the Mustangs back on the ice. And, man, they're displaying their new threads. I love them both. I will say I'm partial to the white. The, those, those threads are, are very nice. I mean, the white on white, classic. Love it. Super nice. But those reds, when they came out in those, like, those popped. Whoever designed those, good on you because those are beautiful, beautiful setups. I think they actually announced who designed those. I think it was X jersey. Oh, yeah, so uh, have, you're right, X jersey. So X jersey designed them, and I think that's a company out of Colorado. Awesome jerseys. I can't wait to get mine. So I think they're going to be very, very sick. I actually really liked Vegas's black jerseys as well. I thought they were sharp. I like the kind of black, and I think it's orange. Black and orange, really good look there. But I do want to say that I love giving my attendee shout-outs. So I want to give out the shout outs here to the Las Vegas goaltenders. At game one, they had Banaldi, the 20-year-old Las Vegas native, and Yarrow, the 16-year-old Scottsdale, Arizona native, who came into that halfway through the game for a shared time. Man, I tell you what, Yarrow came into the storm because the Thunderbirds were just getting into penalty trouble, and he really just stepped into the storm, and it did not relent. So he came into a pretty tough situation, and I will say he has a very calm and cool demeanor. I, I really liked the way he played on the ice. There was no panic to his game. He kept his players away from Mustangs players, just stepping in between guys. And I don't know what he was saying. He just seems like a cool-headed young man out there, and I think uh, they're going to have a lot of success with those two goalies in that. On Saturday, they started Spraggs, the 18-year-old out of Mount Vernon, Washington, but it's got a Canadian flag next to his name in elite prospects so either canada has invaded washington state and taken it over or he's american born but he's a canadian citizen which is not that uncommon so 
I, I like I like the theory that Canada took over. That's probably what happened. <laughs> so I'm like, did I miss something in the news last couple of days? But but yeah, and then uh, and then Donnelly came in halfway through the game, and he's the 18 year old out of Sherwood Park, British Columbia, which is 100% Canadian. Yes, uh, shout out to the the Las Vegas goaltenders, and then shout out to the Ogden Mustangs goaltenders. All new crew this year. Uh, they got Serduk, the 17 year old out of Kiev, Ukraine. Tarantino out of Fremont, California, and Striplin played the entire game on Saturday, and he's the 18-year-old out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. I tell you what, super impressed with Striplin's leg movement. You know I'm a goalie when I just watch the other goalies and how they move. Really, I'm telling you, man, I'm getting strong, like, Ryan Miller vibes out of that kid. Seriously. I mean, that's a no-pressure kid. None at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm really, really impressed with the way he handled the net on Saturday night. There was definitely some chemistry between certain Stangs players, so that was really awesome to see. And then the new blue liner, Foss, uh, the 17-year-old out of Eagle, Idaho, man, he's going to be a force. He he was so impressive in these first two games. Yeah, and I mean, shout out to one of our favorite guests on this, Mr. Jones. What a game. Uh, I watched that first game. What a game. Love that kid. Love the energy. I hope to have him back on here soon so we can talk about that. Oh, he he had an excellent first game there. That that Friday night game, you knew where 26 was. I mean, he just stood out. I will say the rest were way too quick to the whistle because that first goal he scored that didn't count, that whistle was so quick and so unnecessary. And I understand the rest are getting back into the mix too, and it's a preseason game, so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But Jack got another two goals in that game. So I'm going to say congratulations on the Hattie because that was a hat trick. Just saying. I completely agree. That was that was a quick whistle. But again, you know, it's preseason for everyone. Like you said, it's, it's everyone's just kind of getting back into things. You know, we talked about with our players is, you know, everyone's kind of played shinny for the last 18 months. Right. Because things meant something, but they were awkward and they were weird and they weren't regular. But, you know, we're back. Hockey's back. And I think everyone was working out the jitters and, and all that. But at, at the end of the day, I mean, he still got two goals, really three. But, he, you know, he still had two great goals and he just brought that energy. And I mean, to me, it was first star of the game. But, you know, Jack, I got you. You're always first star. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely he's one of our boys on this podcast. We definitely love Jack Jones. The game, though, I mean, it started off. It didn't start off great for Ogden. Six seconds in, it may, in fact, as Stefan said, been the quickest goal in Weber ice sheet. Only six seconds in, Vegas's Mench just walked right in, just right through the Ogden defense and just put one right over uh, Sarduk. Six seconds into the preseason. So I think Coach Kenny did the right thing and pulled that line off, I think, right out the gate. they That was not the way to start a game. But I think the message was strong at that point, and Ogden had a really good game. A new staying signing as well, Mater, the 20-year-old out of Anaheim Hills, California, had his first goal, waved off, another quick whistle. And I had to watch this on replay because I'm like, why was that waved off? The puck was in the net before the whistle blew. So technically, that's a goal. But again, they don't have the the luxury of instant replay like we do. And that's what my hockey TV gives me. Is but it don't gives forget, me that... though, too. There's the old rule that they always talk about. Even in the NHL, they have, you know, real review. If the ref is in the action of blowing his whistle, the play is considered dead, which 
to me, it makes no sense. I get it that you're bringing the whistle to your mouth, but until that whistle actually blows, to me, it hasn't blown yet. But for some reason, as the refs bring that whistle to their mouth to blow it, the play is considered dead, which is absurd, if you ask me. Yeah, it's it's absurd. I mean, I watched a slow replay there. But again, I guess he's in the act of blowing his whistle. But if it hasn't blown, it hasn't blown. But yeah, it's a dumb rule. Either way, he, he got robbed of his first goals of staying, so he got one back later that game. So welcome to the Mustangs Mater. And then our boy Stanford Zito as well. Another Mustang that's been on this podcast, the 18-year-old local Salt Lake City product, scored officially the first goal for the Mustangs this preseason. Then he added another goal in game two. That's another player who had, you know, a monster game and, and the vets who, you know, are coming back and are now, you know, in their second year, third year with Ogden. It, it's you can tell they were already comfortable. They're ready to go. And there's a big group of them. So bold prediction. Watch out for the Mustangs this year because they're going to be very good because they are very talented and loaded, 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 loaded with vets. Yeah, they brought back 14 players for a junior team that's impressive bringing back 14 players and there was a bunch of that just aged out like troja is now playing hockey in austria a couple guys moved up to levels like the ncdc and the ushl so congratulations on the promotions so that's exactly the goal of the usphl and then other guys just went off to college and and chose other routes like i think they had one player as well that went off to georgetown university just to pursue the educational route like that was that's where he's going on. That's a hard school to get into. So congratulations, Burnett. That was uh, quite impressive. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of promotions and, and guys that aged out. And so, but bringing back 14 players, I'm really excited about this roster. And a new talent they brought in, I tell you, they they stood out during these games. In fact, the new signing out of Bonnie Lake, Washington, 18-year-old Alonzo, uh, I tell you, man, he had a rough start to his Mustangs career. I will say this was a clearly... Las Vegas player-directed, purposeful, knee-on-knee collision with Alonzo. I slowed it down. He he did it on purpose. This was a direct attack at the leg in, in the first period. So not the way he wanted to start his Mustangs career here, and I don't think he played the rest of the period, and he limped off the ice. But he was able to come back for the second period, only to take a big elbow to the head. Um, now, that one I'm not 100% convinced was as dirty the first game until I saw the second game where the same player was chirping our boy Jack when Jack had also been sent to the ice. And it was another player that did it, but the same player came over and decided to chirp him. So now I'm thinking that that player may have intentionally, even though Alonzo was kind of on his way downward, didn't necessarily need to leave with the elbow. And I know afterwards, maybe he was trying to make sure he didn't actually really hurt him because he came back around to check on him. So it's hockey, who knows, but I don't really necessarily think that first one, I guess the headshot was intentional, but Alonzo scored a beauty of a goal in game two, really talented player, and I think his family was even there, not 100% sure about that, but I think at one point I heard Stefan mention that Alonzo's family was at the rink, so hopefully they got to see that, because it was a gorgeous goal. I mean, you know, when you got family in the stands, gotta gotta make it look good, and that's exactly what he did. Again, it's just that this, I, I don't know, something about watching this team, and and don't get me wrong, I mean, I think the Mustangs had the better team all weekend, and, and they kind of showed it. I'm looking forward to kind of see the Mustangs play, and this is absolutely a zero percent shot at Vegas whatsoever, but I'm looking to see the Mustangs play like a powerhouse team. I want to see how that leadership, how that you know, that veteran play, that exciting offensive hockey that they have, I want to see how that you know matches up against you know a powerhouse and, and kind of see that. But again, I'm just I'm just from watching these two games, I'm, I'm very excited about 
how clean, crisp, and fast and physical that Mustangs are going to play this year. I'm really excited for how they're going to play because some of these kids are just scoring goals. And Vashko, man, he scored a couple great goals. He had he had some dirty dangles in the game one. He put one in, and pretty sure he even scored another one in game two. Jake Muir scored a goal in each game. The Western New Yorker, Falzer, scored in game one. And uh, then they're talking about game two. Before I talk about you know guys that scored again there, the Stang started Striplin for the entire game, and the Thunderbirds started Sprags in net for that game. Sprags got knocked down minutes into the game by his own player in an accidental collision, and that's just that's not on the goalie Sprags at all. That's on the player that ran into him. Man, you, you got to give your goalie space. But again, everyone's getting back into the mix of it, so it's a preseason game, not that big of a deal. But Sprags couldn't. He, he just couldn't reset in time in net. And our 19-year-old out of Moscow, Russia, Shmakov, took advantage of it and buried one early. Then it was minutes later, some confusion happened in front of the net again, and Shmakov buried another. So Shmakov started the game just brilliantly, really, really good out of the net. It's rare to see a team click right away in the offseason or exhibition games. But again, like you said, they're bringing a big core of veterans back. And I know I'm sounding like a broken record, but that's the key to, to having a good team is when, you know, you got that that great culture and, you know, the, the guys are bringing that back. And uh, I mean, I'm ready to watch the season begin here. Like I, I'm fired up for it. Yeah, me too. And just watching Sprags continue to play that first half of the game. I tell you, man, he made a beautiful breakaway save on, I think it was Seth Jones, uh, late in the first period or midway through the first period. What a gorgeous save by Spraggs there. And then Striplin, not to be outdone in the second period, the Mustangs got called for a penalty shot as one of the Mustangs players covered the puck up with their glove in the crease. And Striplin, man, telling you what, it's Miller time. Stand up save, man. No, no pressure, Stripling, but really, really, really impressed with this game. I just, I see Miller vibes out of this kid. Again, absolutely no pressure, right? I mean, <laughs> hey, kid, don't worry about it. You just got to stand up to one of the one of the biggest U.S. goalies of all time. But no, hey, no pressure though. No pressure. He didn't win a cup, so I mean, I mean, not that much pressure, but he was Oof. still one of the. <laughs> I just want that was a shot, right? right just, everyone knows that, but Oof. no, I mean, obviously one of the greats, and I do see kind of that. that it's kind of like that. You'd rather stand up and kind of just be big in the net, and I, I completely see where, you know, where you're coming from. We talk about that, so but again, kid, absolutely no pressure, except for Chris. Chris is putting a lot of pressure on you. No, I just see Miller-esque vibes. There's a lot of players I can look in and I'm like, yep, I see this out of this kid. I see this out of this kid. I see this. And I, I watched the way he played and it just gave me strong Ryan Miller vibes, the way he moves in net. He doesn't ever seem to be out of position, which Ryan Miller never made these big miraculous saves, except for I think when he was in Vancouver and he was being pulled because it was the end of the game. And they came back down and he strutted right back and like dove and made that save. That was a beauty. Oh, that was a beauty. But when he was in net and not being pulled, he didn't have to make many miraculous saves. He was just that that save against Boston, 3-on-0, unreal. Just sick. So love my Ryan Miller. And I think he's gotten – I think he's now the assistant coach of the U.S. hockey team, if I'm not incorrect. So congratulations, Ryan Miller. Uh, hit me up. I want one of your masks. That's it. Rookie Dimitri Voratis, the 18-year-old out of Fountain Valley, Cali, got his first junior goal for the Stangs. And his family, I'm pretty confident, was in attendance because I think it was mentioned after the goal. So very, very cool there. Honestly, this is how I know when hockey season's back is when 
you try to read out some of these names and you're just like, <laughs> here we go. You know, and, and I mean, credit to you, you apologize. And I've, I just, I just don't try saying them cause I know I'm going to butch them, but you, you go for it. But you know, that just, to me, it's just like, just what, you know, when, when the summer comes around and you're, you know, you're playing baseball and you see the, that field get cut for the first time, the lines put down, butchered names is that memorable. That's one, that's one I know hockey season's back here. It is. And honestly, we're going to come back to that before we wrap this episode up. Um, and I do want to mention uh, that veteran demand uh, Heller also put in a goal for that game. And I do want to mention, yeah, the, the Vegas goal contributors included Mensch scoring that first goal there. The four, the 16 year old out of Quebec. So I'm pretty sure I destroyed that name already. Strong, the 20 year old out of Alexandria, Minnesota. And then Scotsman uh, Burden. Sorry for the horrible accent there, buddy. But he's a 17-year-old out of Aberdeen. Now, they are a very young team. Their average age is very young. I think it's over a year younger than the Mustangs. And as broadcaster Stefan mentioned, I'm excited to see this roster grow into itself and develop as the season progresses and, and beyond. And that's the thing, right? Obviously, when your big core moves on, you know, basically the opposite of what happened with Ogden. You bring in some new blood and, and some young players, and there's growing pains. And as they mature and they grow as both humans and hockey players, but let's just say they bring back 60% of that core the following year, then you're in a position like where the Mustangs are now, where you have 14, 15 guys back, and they've played your system, they understand, and they've built a culture, and they're just adding guys to that culture and, and to that lineup, and it just makes things smooth. So every team goes through that. It's kind of like that little rebuilding process. We'll call it really rebuilding because you kind of you trade guys away or anything like that. You just kind of aged out and moved on to you know bigger and better things and you know every team goes through it so like i said there was absolutely no shot at vegas i i I think that they've got some very good pieces in place they're young they could surprise a lot of teams this year and and then next year when they bring back a big core of those young players and they're going to be in that position where they're kind of dominating teams off the hop yeah and then that could be exactly what this team can be because they brought in a bunch of young canadian players too so Really excited to see how that develops. And again, even a mature team like the Mustangs, a couple really undisciplined penalties, especially in that second game. I won't mention their names, but you know who you are if you're listening to this. One guy comes straight out of the box after the Mustangs kill off a two-minute, full two-minute five-on-three, and he immediately just hits a guy, basically from almost behind and gets called right back off the ice. So all I'll say is pistets. And then another player had a retaliation penalty, actually kind of stunned he retaliated. He's not the type of player that usually does that. But again, undisciplined penalties there by the Mustangs. I will say we want to thank Stefan for the shout out in the game one second period for our Pigeon Hockey podcast here. We're really excited you shouted us out there. And if you didn't catch the part in, I think it was the second, it was definitely the second game. I will say, Stefan, because you're probably listening to this, feel free to reach out to Pigeonhole Hockey. We have a co-host on this episode called Sebastian. That is his name. He speaks French-Canadian. And feel free to reach out to him so he can help pronounce your uh, French-Canadian names there as you were called out by our other buddy there with the Northern Colorado Eagles, Brendan, on some of your French-Canadian pronunciations. I have made that an art on on this podcast so i will just say i will not utilize this resource and instead to the delight of our listeners i will struggle through nearly every single name whether it's french canadian or danish or russian i will yeah I mean, he's not wrong, Stefan. I will absolutely help you if Chris ever pauses this podcast and says, how do you say this person's name? I'll probably tell him the wrong thing so he says it wrong anyways because that's just part of this podcast. If you get your name right, 
oh, there's something wrong with you because it's all about getting the names wrong here. And I, that's the best part of it. I love watching French Canadian's name gets pushed around here because it just get, gives me a laugh. But uh, Steph, for sure, if you need some help, you let me know. We won't tell Chris. Don't worry. There you go. And that's why you can practice names before the broadcast. So I'll just play along and, and just <laughs> die inside. I'm like, is his name Herbert? Yeah, yeah, it's Herbert. It's not Hey Bear. I'm like, okay. Herbert. Yep. Okay. I will say Herbert. So yeah, that's, that's how I do my stuff. So, but before we wrap up this podcast, two things I wanted to bring up from these games was one, I don't know if you got to see it, but a Vegas player was called for a 10 minute game misconduct, but there was no attached penalty. Have you seen that? I have not. That that actually kind of reminds me. It, it's like that. You can't do that. Maybe that's what you got. I got 10 minutes. You can't do that. Yeah. And maybe because it was a preseason game, they're going to be like, nope, whatever you did or whatever you said right there, we're taking you off the ice, but we're not going to penalize your team. Yeah, that's weird. You no, that's, just, you're just going to learn. I mean, yeah. you can get 10-minute misconducts without getting a penalty, and that's like a gross or something like that. But to not attach an actual penalty to it, that that's just kind of – that might have just been where, you know, maybe the ref did write it down, and it's on the game sheet but never was shared or whatever. But that's weird. That could have just been a miscommunication or something. No, they purposely made sure – because even Vegas was only putting four guys on the ice, and the ref's like, nope, fifth guy bring him on. We're just putting this kid in the box for 10 minutes. And I'm like, I've never seen that. Definitely feel free to reach out to us. I'd love to know what that was about. I've never seen that before. seems like the hockey version of go sit in the corner. I don't, I don't know. Like, Maybe I don't he got know. fouled out. That's what it was. It's the basketball. He got fouled out. Too many fouls. Get out of here. Maybe. And then the last thing is I will say, again, the refs are getting back into the mix of this, but these games got really chippy. There were some avoidable collisions some really dangerous boarding hits. Two very clear knee-on-knee successes, I would say, by Vegas. And two seemingly slightly maybe attempts. Uh, one by Ogden in game one uh, later in the game. And then one by Vegas in game two before the successful, I guess, one on Schmakov, which took him out of the game. Which wasn't happy about that. Uh, he was definitely in pain. And that was definitely intentional. Then a Las Vegas player got hit up high as the seconds of the game were winding down. And so he was crouched over as the game wound down. So I just think the refs could have done a way better job at handling this game and both of these games, honestly. And just, you know, I don't know if that 10 minute misconduct with no penalty was anything to do with something. But both teams were definitely taking liberties because if you don't call one penalty, the other team's going to respond. That's how the hockey game works. Okay, if we're not going to call that, then... And now my, now my players are upset. Now they're going to go do this. So it just kind of likes for a little bit more violent game. I love the violence of hockey, but I don't love the dirty aspects of it. And neon knee shots and head shots and boarding and all that stuff is really dangerous. It can really take someone out of not only the game, but end up in the hospital or breaking spines. And you see it every year. I just thought the referees could have done a little bit better job at handling some of these games. It's unfortunate, you know, everyone's in the preseason mode and things sometimes look intentional and it's weird. Like I know for us, I mean, I know a lot of the American players that played a full season last year had contact and all that, but a lot of our guys here haven't had contact. So it's that awkwardness or that, I don't know, your body's not willing to throw itself at another body as hard as it can. And, you know, you kind of move and things happen, but it's preseason. I mean, I, like I said, I'm not in for any dirty and we always you know, tell our guys when and something bad happens. Don't respond with doing something bad. You don't respond by putting a couple goals up 
But that being said, you know, it's preseason for everybody. Hopefully everything gets cleaned up and there was no malicious acts that were, you know, intended. I mean, hockey, as you said, it's a violent sport and it's chirpy and sometimes you know, things cross the line and you regret it as soon as it happens. And, you know, I think we've all kind of been there. We've said something or done something and we're like, oh, it was stupid and you get a penalty for it or whatever it is. It, it's preseason for everybody. So hopefully, you know, things get cleaned up. And uh, as we move on, you know, we just have some good, fast, hard competitive hockey. I tell you what, the scoreboard did not reflect the actual competitiveness of the games. And then again, that's another thing Stefan was saying is now the first game, it just felt like Ogden was all over Las Vegas. The second game did not feel that way. The second game, it felt like Vegas shouldn't have been down as many goals as it was. I thought they played a really good game, but Ogden was just a better team for both games. And really excited to see both these teams progress through their respective divisions as the season goes on. Well, we do want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at PHH Official to let us know what you think. And also be sure to comment and share any upcoming games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast. This was Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Chris and Sebastian. Thanks for listening. And remember, always clear your crease.